Mindfulness Mode 327. When there's a dolphin or a whale in front of you in the boat, immediately all thoughts of anything else go out of your mind. You're listening to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach. Welcome to the show. If you're a first-time listener, great to have you here. I hope you enjoy the show. And if you're an established listener, same thing. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So don't forget, share and uh, subscribe if you don't mind on whatever app you're listening on. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Hey, Mindful Tribe, this is going to be an interesting episode talking about whales and dolphins and, of course, mindfulness. And I'm thrilled to welcome my guest, Anne Gordon de Beragon. Anne, are you in mindfulness mode today? Absolutely, I am. And I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Well, Anne, I know that we talked a little bit about dolphins and whales at the New Media Summit where I met you, but tell me what mindfulness means to you and in your life. Mindfulness means to me an awareness. Being in a state of awareness of what's going on around you, getting the big picture perspective, stepping out of the, the inner perspective and the, the immediate me perspective and being in observation mode. Observation without, mode. Observation and you're, mode without judgment. You're in that a lot, observation mode. And I'm go- <laughs> just going to share a little bit about you with Mindful Tribe listeners. Anne Gordon de Baragon is a whale and dolphin expert. She's been running whale and dolphin wisdom retreats since 2007. She has a degree in biology and animal behavior. She's worked as a zookeeper and she's trained animals for over 20 years for movies and TV. Now she married into the indigenous Embera tribe in Panama. She owns and operates Embera Village Tours, and she's literally pioneered the whale watching industry in Panama. And that's where she is right now in Panama as I talk with Anne. So it sounds like an incredibly exciting life, an interesting life. How did you get into a life watching whales and dolphins? I was partly born into it. Partly being in the right family. Yes. Um, I grew up in Olympia, Washington, right on Puget Sound. My father had a boat. We spent weekends on the water, summer vacations in the San Juan Islands in British Columbia, where there's orca whales. Okay. So I grew up with the orcas, seeing them quite often, and just being blessed with their presence. And when I was young, it was almost like when they were around, I almost felt like there was a protective big brother around, just ah. this loving, safe, comfortable feeling when I saw the orcas. So when I moved to Panama 14 years ago, I thought I'm in a country with two oceans only 50 miles apart. So there has to be dolphins and whales here. And what species are there and how can I get out to see them? And so I discovered that Panama is the only place in the world where humpback whales come from both the northern and the southern hemispheres to breed and give birth. So plenty of whales here, but nobody was offering whale watching. 
not one person. So that's how I pioneered the industry and started offering these tours because it was a way for me to get out on the water to see them. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so what do people, what do people learn? What do they experience when they go out on one of those whale watching tours? How is that connection with whales uh, a mindfulness experience? I mean, I could go on for days to answer that one question. <laughs> yes. But the immediate, really obvious answer to somebody who's not even interested in mindfulness or spirituality or meditation but everybody gets this in that when there's a dolphin or a whale in front of you in the boat yeah immediately all thoughts of anything else go out of your mind so it brings you into that present moment okay so in other words the bills sitting on your desk at home that you're not sure how you're going to pay or the project you have at work that you've got that you're feeling behind on, all of that is gone. And it brings us back into the present moment and just feeling the joy that life mm. is by being in the presence of a dolphin or whale. And that creates mindfulness because we get out of the mind chatter and we're just enjoying the moment. Very, very interesting. Well, I know a little bit about elephants, but I don't know much about whales. Are they an intelligent creature? Super intelligent, yes. They say that through body to brain ratio, that dolphins and whales' brains are bigger than ours. Where they have a larger brain to body ratio than humans do. And yes, elephants are very intelligent as well. And they're, they're almost like the land version of the whale or vice versa, right. being the right. largest creatures and long living and very, very wise. Right. And is that why you call your tours the wisdom tours? Or is there another reason? That's part of it. And that in my many years of spending with dolphins and whales, I now receive through meditation often many messages directly from the dolphins and whales about how we can improve our lives. So on my retreats, I share what I have learned. For example, when I met you, I was talking about whales representing abundance, right. being the largest creatures on earth and eating the smallest. Uh -huh. And you never see a skinny whale. That's true. <laughs> right? So for whales, they've, they're the masters of abundance. And in nature, abundance is easy. A whale just opens his mouth and there's food. There's plankton, there's krill, there's small fish. The deer just put their head down and there's grass and there's leaves. The birds fly around, they find their food. It's us humans who, through limiting beliefs, have created this wall Yes. in front of us that blocks the natural flow of abundance. But when we reconnect with nature, it helps us let go and release those limiting beliefs and blocks and step into that natural flow of abundance. Well, I want to go back, and to those messages you said you received when you meditate from the whales and the mm -hmm. dolphins. How do you receive those? How, how do they look when you receive them? And tell us more about it. Sure. How it first started was I went to a school. We call it affectionately dolphin school. 
to learn about dolphin life skills and how to apply them in our life. And part of that was dolphin energy healing training. So basically connecting and tapping into the dolphins and allowing them to use you as the channel to send their healing energy to others. Well, during those practice sessions, I started receiving like this steady stream of wisdom and messages for my clients. And how I receive those, it's, it's like a mind movie. In my mind, I am literally watching a movie of these visions. I'm seeing dolphins, I'm seeing whatever they want me to see. And then sometimes I will hear, clear audience, hearing words or just knowing phrases and wisdom. And so it's, it's quite powerful. And for me, when I first started reporting, I was really hesitant at first to share because sometimes it made no sense to me. Right. And I would share with my clients and it was always validated and always made sense to them. Right. Are whales and dolphins safe in the waters where you tour? Yes, there is no hunting. There's no persecution. In fact, because Panama is kind of an unknown whale watching destination, um, during the weekdays, we are literally the only boat out on the water with the whales. So it's not like some areas where there's 20 boats trying to see the whales. They're not even harassed that way. So it's a very safe area. Nobody's allowed to hunt them or hassle them. They're completely protected here. So when you go out on a tour, do you always see whales and dolphins? We have for the whales during the season when they're here, which is July through October, we have 99% success rate throughout the years, meaning one day in the, usually the first week or the last week of the season, we may not see whales. But I've had years where we have 100%. So it's very easy during the season. It's not, will we see whales? It's like, which whales do we want to look at? Those, those over there or over there? Right. So how long would that tour be if I went out to see the whales and dolphins? For a day tour, it's the full day. We start at eight o'clock because we have to go about 35 miles out to the ideal whale watching area from Panama City. Okay. And then my retreats, we actually stay in the Pearl Islands at a beachfront hotel where you can literally watch the whales go by as you're eating breakfast. So when we get on the boat, it's like, oh, okay, we saw them go that way. Let's head that direction. You've talked a little bit about this already, but why do you think humans are so connected to whales and dolphins? I think, well, especially dolphins. Dolphins are easy because they're similar size to us humans and they really engage with us. They often will stop whatever they're doing and come zooming over to the boat to check us out and ride in the front of the, of the, the boat and play in the waves. And they have this physical permanent smile on their face, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's very relatable and, and you can't help but smile when you're in the presence of a dolphin. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. Well, of course, there used to be a TV show called Flipper. Yes, <laughs> where we all loved and grew up with. Oh, yeah. What a great show because <laughs> Flipper seemed to be so intelligent and Flipper could do amazing things. Can you tell us a story, a real life story of something amazing that a dolphin has done that you're aware of? Oh, my gosh. There's so many. Um, 
there's a there's a dolphin that this is years ago in New Zealand yeah. that there was a really treacherous area for the ships to come into this one harbor that every time the ships would come in almost a hundred percent this one dolphin would come and guide the ships into the harbor through the treacherous rocks and then there was one time there was some jerk on the boat on the ship that shot at this dolphin he wasn't a normal sailor he wasn't he was new to the boat and so he took a shot at it didn't hit it thank goodness but every time that boat came through that pass the dolphin never showed up every other ship yes that one no incredible yeah incredible and what about whales share some whale wisdom with us oh whale wisdom besides the besides the abundance which is a huge lesson the whales are they say they're the keepers of the akashic records on earth ah. so they they have a very they have a more of a more of an awesome energy than than the joy and the play of the dolphins but it's very deep and I have found that just by spending time with them, that they, you just immediately naturally release any blocks or beliefs that no longer serve you. But one of my favorite lessons from the whales is the gray whales, which is about forgiveness. Because the gray whales were known by the whalers hunting them as devilfish because they were the only species of whale that would fight back and defend themselves against the whalers. So they were quite aggressive, understandably, okay. but no sure. other species was. And now in the very same bays where they were almost wiped to extinction by the whalers, where they breed and give birth, they're now known as the friendliest whales on earth because they literally come right up to the boats they will even bring their babies and push them up so that the people in the boats can love on them, touch them, massage them, even kiss them. Wow. So if they can trust and forgive the human race who almost decimated their entire existence on this planet, how can we not forgive ourselves with that amazing, beautiful example of forgiveness? Wow. And do those whale hunts still go on? Not in the Americas in any way, but in Japan and near Antarctica, there's a couple of countries that still hunt whales. It's Japan, Norway, Iceland, and a couple of very small island nations in the Caribbean. But wow. uh, it's that very- must, That must very just small. break your heart knowing it that. It does, it does. It's very, it's tough. It's, it's really tough. Um, and the general, the majority of the world is against it. Sure. And there's really no need for it. We don't need what we get from the whales, you know, their body parts. We don't need those anymore. So it's just changing tradition that needs to happen. Right. Where are the whales coming from who appear there in Panama? The whales come from, uh, during our peak season, July through October, they come from Antarctica. Ah. They come from the south. And it's the longest migration of any species of whale. It's over 6,000 miles one way. It takes about two months. 
and it's one of the only migrations that actually crosses the equator. Wow. What an incredible trip that must be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one. So how many people come to Panama to go on your tours during that period of time every year? Good question. As I said, Panama is kind of the best kept secret in the whale watching world, <laughs> which I'm trying to change. Yes. And um, I offer, we have day tours and we have a big boat that we use and we can hold up to 60 people on that. Okay. And but that's just it's again, it's really spreading the word. Even Panamanians don't know we have whales. So it's a real really? educational process. Um, and my retreats, I offer six week dates throughout the season. So basically every other week I offer them. I don't again, I don't I don't quite yet fill them up, but mm -hmm. generally each year I'll have three full retreats, which is 12 people maximum on each trip where we spend five days out with the whales. Okay. Okay. It must be a fascinating experience. I want to go back to what you said about the whales helping people relieve themselves of their limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. I want to understand more about that. How sure. does that work? Well, it's, it's hard to describe how it works because I'm not quite sure. I'll tell you my first experience and how I figured it out was the very first retreat I ever held. We had the retreat. I had 12 people. We had this amazing time. Everybody had a great time. And at the end of the trip, after I sent everybody home and was back home in my house, this overwhelming sadness came up within me and I couldn't figure it out. It's like, I just had this amazing trip and everything went well and it was wonderful. And then, and of course, when I'm facilitating the trip, I can't process my own things because I have to hold space for everyone else. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's coming from the whales. It's the intense time I spent with them. It's just allowing emotions to bubble up and be released that I had been kept down. So let me explain even further with a more dr dramatic example. I had a woman come on a trip whose adult son had passed away the year before. And obviously the parent survival guilt and a really hard time dealing with those emotions. And she came on the trip, and it's funny because she wasn't even that interested in the whales. She just needed to do something. Mm -hmm. And she came on the trip, and I knew this before the trip, and I did very little conversations with her about it. I just honored her place and set it up so she could have a good time and, and only talked about it when she wanted to, which was very little. So almost no facilitating. And on the last day of the trip, she came up to me and she was smiling ear to ear and gave me this big, huge hug and said, Anne, thank you. Spending time with the whales has given me permission to feel happy again. Incredible. Yeah. I love that. I know. It's so powerful. And like I said, I don't have to do hardly anything. I just create the space. You just show up. Yeah, I just show up and have fun and share and play and, and the whales do the inner work. 
Wow, it must be an amazing life for you. I want to ask you about some of the training you've done. And you've trained for all kinds of movies. What are some movies that we would resonate with that we would immediately go, oh, wow, and train those animals? <laughs> Tell us sure. about it. That was fun. That was a great, great, full of great adventures. I worked on Homeward Bound. Okay. Part of the cat team. Uh -huh. I worked on uh, that TV show, Northern Exposure. Okay. All the animals, including the moose. I did Legends of the Fall with Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins. I did Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. I did uh, Home for the Holidays with Jodie Foster directing, Holly Hunter. I did some of the kids' movies, Air Bud, the volleyball one. I did Air Buddies and Snow Buddies, and I worked with the new Benji, preparing her for the first move, first movie in a long time. Wow. Must have been so exciting doing all that. It was. It was great fun, and it wasn't easy because the, the training and the animals were the easy part. It was sometimes the directors, producers, and the actors who didn't always understand animals. That was right. the hard part. Right, boy, so much patience must be required and I'm sure so much mindfulness dealing with the animals and training the animals. And tell us about that mindfulness level that's required when you train those animals. Yeah, that for me, that's the easy part again. That's, that's my second nature is just being with the animals. And, but again, it's being observant. It's being mindful of their learning process. Mm -hmm. And my goal when I trained animals for film was that the animals should have fun. If the animal's not having fun, it's not worth doing. Okay. And so how do I get into the mind of this animal? And because they're individuals, just like you and I, and some like to play and some like the couch is their reward and some <laughs> is food. And so whatever their motivation is and whatever's going to be fun for them is what we use to motivate and reward them and and also being really mindful of when they're done and not pushing it harder than you have to and not making it not fun right or when they do get tired it's like okay now i need to switch gears okay we're going to stop training this behavior but we're going to go into one that we know they enjoy and end because you always want to end on a positive you want it's like now if if the teachers could do that in schools and make our homework really fun so that we yes. end on a positive so we want to do it again the next time of course <laughs> yeah that's the way it should be yes now if i could only do that with the directors and producers to get them to be a little <laughs> more aware of what we need as right. trainers that would help too yeah, I bet it would. Wow. Yeah. Well, I always ask a question about bullying. And uh, I want to ask you if you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference. Now, it could have been to do with the animals or you personally. Do you have a story for us? I do. It's I personally don't I'm not aware of being bullied or just didn't pay enough attention so that it affected me. Right. But I have an interesting story that I think you'll like. And it was on a retreat here with the whales. And I had these people on this trip were all from the UK. And one, this young man, he was just 21. And he was, he was so much fun, but he was hyper as all get out. He would, mm -hmm. and of his own admission, he's like, I'm he's just bouncing off the walls. Hysterical. Right. But so 
somebody and this group was not even a spiritual group they were more whale watching scientific group but somebody in the group asked can we do some meditation i'm like sure okay so when we went to do the first meditation the this young man said i don't know if i can do this meditation stuff i can't sit still for anything and i said you know what that's fine it it's up to you and if you want to just try it and if it doesn't work just very quietly walk away so you don't disturb anybody so he was like okay so i gave him permission to leave if he needed to so i started the meditation and when i oftentimes lead meditations i have an idea of where it's going but the whales and dolphins enter and they guide me and i just go wherever they want to take us so on that particular evening they wanted to take us to forgiveness so okay we went there and what they asked me to show was to have everybody imagine a dolphin hunter from Japan standing in front of them and then feel what they feel about a dolphin hunter, but then see that this man, this hunter has a family and he has his culture and he has his history and he's just trying to do what we are all trying to do, and that's feed his family and live a good life, good, healthy, happy life. And that's all he knows how to do. Connect with him on a heart-to-heart -heart level and a soul-to-soul -soul level. And then I guided them to hug this man once they connected heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul. So afterwards, I was asking for anybody to share, and this young man said, that was amazing. He said, I saw that Japanese hunter and I punched him. But then when you asked me to look at his heart and his soul and see who yeah, he was just trying to get by, I hugged him and I apologized that I was so sorry that I hit him. And so for me, bullying is about like he was trying to bully this Japanese hunter right but if we just open our hearts and our our souls to connect on that level because the people doing the doing the bullying are doing so out of pain that they're feeling right and so they don't know how else to act out because so if we open our hearts and 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 move to understand them and give them the love they're so desperately seeking so true. I love this story. Yeah. Wow. Incredible story, Anne. Wow. Yeah. I was blown away when this, this kid who didn't think he could even meditate had that powerful experience. And do all your tours in, include meditation of some kind? Uh, generally, they do. Oh, that group was more of a scientific group, so I wasn't going to do it. But they asked. So, okay, great. But yes, my, my whale and dolphin wisdom retreats, I do lead meditations in the evenings so that they can connect with the dolphins and whales, not just by seeing them, by getting in the water and hearing and seeing them that way, but also developing and opening the spiritual connection too. Wow, I love that. And as we move toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Here's the first one. Who is one person, one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, I don't know that that's a human being. I think that would be the whales and dolphins for me. They're, they're my gurus. 
<laughs> uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Given me a deep sense of peace, peace and comfort. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Oh, that's a hard one to do quick. Breathing is really important because dolphins and whales are conscious breathers. They have to. Think. Well, talk about it a bit more. Okay, then. expand yeah. on it. Yeah, that's that's one that can't be left short. Dolphins and whales have to literally consciously think to breathe. Okay, so that means let's just like you swimming underwater and you know you can't breathe until you come to the surface. Same with them. So when you are a conscious breather. For a whale and a dolphin, they can't sleep like we can. We sleep because they, they suffocate without breathing. So they sleep with one half of their brain, and the other half keeps them moving and breathing, or you know, coming to the surface. So when you are fully conscious of your breathing, it also that just expands to being more conscious and using more of your brain power, more conscious of how your physical body moves which also opens up your mind to being more aware and conscious of the world around you. Very fascinating. Very fascinating. Mm -hmm. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Again, there's so many, but I would say probably the very first book that really helped me get into this was Neil Donald Walsh's Conversations with God. Mm such a great, great one to, to realize that what I had already been thinking inner was like, Oh my God, somebody thinks like me. Fantastic. Can you share an app which helps you or some of your followers be more mindful? This one's harder for me. I don't use apps very much at all. I'm not very techie. Um, so for me, I have to say that nature is my app. I like it's that not too. technology at all. You can't get it on your phone, but you can get it by just looking out around you. And you spend the, your life in nature, basically, do. don't you? Do. Yes. That's fantastic. Wow. So exciting to connect with you. And how can we learn more about you and more about your tours and what you offer? Sure. Uh, my website is whalewisdomretreats.com. So come check it out. I have some free gifts. Uh, I can I have an ebook where you can download messages from the sea, which is wisdom that I've received direct from the dolphins and whales. And happy to share that with you. Well, mindful tribe, download messages from the sea. This sounds totally fascinating, and I want to do it too. Go to whalewisdomretreats.com and download that book and just take it all in because it's just a fascinating, fascinating experience talking with you. And I think it would be amazing to go on a, on a tour. So thank you so much for being with us today, Anne. Thanks so much, Bruce. It was a real honor and a pleasure. And I, as you can see, I love to share what the dolphins and whales have taught me with anybody who's willing to listen. Absolutely. Thanks again. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, 
Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.